0: Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're looking at an alien abductee support group. That's correct, an alien abductee support group. Now, this article comes to us from back on August 14th, 2009. Looks like it was written by Julie Chang and Jim Dumbrun from ABC News. The title says, Abducted by Aliens, Believers Tell Their Story. And then below that it says, Experiencers say extraterrestrials abducted them and haunt their lives. Now that doesn't sound like a very positive experience to me, you know. It seems like a lot of times, uh, when I look at the darker side of the UFO phenomenon, I get some negative comments that people leave thinking that, you know, it's, it's too critical or too conservative or this or that. But if we're looking at this phenomenon, then we need to look at the whole range of experiences. And people can say, well, they've had great experiences or they enjoy watching these things or whatever. But we also need to take a look at what these folks are saying who have been abducted by these things and have had some really bad things happen to them. Otherwise, how do we ever really get our mind around what's going on here? It says, August 17, 2009, in a small New England town, member, members of a support group which boasts a growing membership of 1,500 gather for a secret meeting. That's an awful lot of people who have been through the same thing. It says, I want to let you know that you're not alone, the group leader began. Twin sisters, Audrey and Debbie, who have asked that their last name and hometown be withheld, have also come a long way to share their experiences. Quote, it was a long, tiresome battle, Audrey said, that's impacted me and my life tremendously. I'm still in therapy. The group that's assembled for this meeting is not struggling with alcohol, drugs, sex addiction or gambling. They're part of a star part of a starborn an alien experience and awesomeness support group catering to those who say they've been abducted by aliens. Many people have wondered are earthlings living on a speck of dust alone in the infinite universe, or are there other intelligent life forms out there in the cosmos. Nearly half of all Americans and millions more globally believe we're not alone. According to a 2000 ABC poll, while 40 million Americans say they say they have seen or know someone who has seen an unidentified flying object, a growing number believe they've actually met aliens. Now think about that. 40 million people say that they've either seen a UFO or know somebody that has seen a UFO. and This is from 14 years ago. So when they tell you that these things are nothing more than balloons or drones or blowing trash in the wind and that anybody who reports seeing one uh, is a, is a brick short of a load just remember 40 million people Audrey and Debbie not only said that when said that aliens exist but that they've made contact with them the twins said it started when they were young quote I was probably about 5 years old or so and had and had a bright blue light come into the room, and the door would open, and there would be like a foggy kind of misty blue light, just shining through the whole house, Audrey said. These two figures would come in. There would be a tall one. They had black eyes, but they were bald and had big eyes. Now, you can imagine how this would have terrorized a five-year-old child. Audrey and her sister called their visitors the bold men, but they've known but they're better known in UFO circles as the greys, a race of extraterrestrials categorized by the grayish color of their skin. The twins' first first encounter with the aliens, they say, came during childhood and continued into adulthood. They also believe they have been abducted together on the same spaceship, only to compare stories afterwards. We have been together on abductions, Audrey said. We have been up in crafts and seen our houses from above, so we realize that we are not So we realized that they are not from here. They are very good at mind erasing or whatever you want to call it. They'll leave you with hints and pieces of things you can remember. But we do remember certain things of being there together. That would have to be traumatizing to have had these experiences and then to only be able to recall bits and pieces. When asked why aliens would continue to abduct them together, the twins had no explanation. Well, you know, look what happened in World War Two with the Nazis. I mean, they, they these evil uh, scientists loved nothing more to get a hold of twins because then they had a, they had a, a built-in control group, and so yeah, it would only be natural to want to abduct twins because then you could run all kinds of tests on them to see how they responded. It says that's the question I always ask myself. Davy said, and a lot of and a lot of times I'll wake up in tears saying, Why me? Why me? Why can't this happen to somebody else? He goes on to say, extraterrestrials can embody people's fears, and no matter what anyone else believes, people like Audrey and Debbie are convinced that what they witnessed is real. Quote, I remember one time being on a spaceship, and standing there on the spaceship, and the floor and the walls disappeared, and I was staring at the earth, Debbie said. They said they realized their stories sound too fantastic, and at times like the stuff of sci-fi blockbusters. In science fiction, aliens are often anthropomorphic and benign creatures like E.T., My Favorite Martian, the classic Star Trek television series, or the hit movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Well, of course, Hollywood has to present these things uh, in a way that doesn't frighten people too much. Because if people were frightened too much, they wouldn't go see the movies. But extraterrestrials can also embody people's fears, looking radically different from human life. Pop culture depictions of aliens don't seem to be showing, don't seem to be slowing down. On cable, there's the acclaimed Mind series, Torchwood, Children of the Earth, where the aliens' sinister thoughts are spoken through the possessed children. And this fall, ABC will add a new series to the list of those on. Creatures from outer space. Of course, this would have been 14 years ago. The members of Starborn believe, however, that this is not just the stuff of science fiction, but fact. They said the coming forward with their beliefs is challenging. Terrell Copeland, a former U.S. Marine, traveled the furthest to attend the secret meeting, driving 600 miles from rural Virginia. Copeland's foray into the paranormal began two years ago with a UFO sighting. He said he was cap- said he he said was captured on his cell phone. From his apartment in downtown Suffolk, Virginia, it was an orb of light. He said, "Just a big ball of light. It wasn't moving. One was solid white; the other was directly across the street from it, up 300 feet above the ground, and it was changing colors very rapidly." This is this is this is not unusual. Something's wrong here. Maybe I am in over my head. I am not supposed to be looking at this stuff. Copeland 27 who drives forkless at a warehouse for a living, recalled thinking, but after the video what Copeland said he witnessed in the sky was posted on YouTube, he said a strange visitor came to his front door. I woke up from the nap I woke up from the nap by the sound of someone trying to enter my apartment, he said, and I said, Who is it? There was no answer. Still, just you know, you could see the doorknob moving and like a scratching on the door, and I keep a firearm It was on my table, and my thought was to get up and check. I was in complete paralysis. The only thing I could move were my eyes, and I heard a voice through the door say, You don't need that weapon. We don't harm. Soon after, Copeland said he started to experience what he calls missing time. During a span of two nights, Copeland said he missed four hours, not as a result of sleep. That sounds like a pretty... Traumatizing experience, not something that uh, you know anybody who comes in peace would want to subject another person or uh, another creature, even to. It says spiritual transformation. When you see these objects, and then you do the research, and you see that there are so many people who have experienced the same thing as you, you have to say to yourself, maybe there is something to this, he said. With the number of unexplained UFO sightings mounting, Copeland began keeping a log and sketching what he believes he witnessed during the Missing Time episodes. I was in a room, and I saw a woman who did not have complete human features. He recalled her from the night he said he was abducted in 2006. She had the typical black eyes that you hear about. She had an elongated skull, and that startled me. And And the next memory I have is standing on my balcony, waving at this cylinder-shaped ship. So you have a total blackout of memory. Now, they've got him alone in the room with this woman-type creature. You have to wonder, you know, what he was there for. It says, Copeland said that his experience with aliens have spiritually transformed him. I just want to be a better person because I feel if someone from above took notice of me, then I'm doing something right. And if I'm doing something right, Maybe I can do it better, he said. Well, that's a little strange. You know, I don't really think it's God that's coming down here abducting people. Copeland's otherworldly convictions are shared by thousands of believers. Hundreds flock to the National Convention of the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON, in Denver this month to share their experience experiences with like-minded believers. It says, Stace to sell a single working mother and cum laude college graduate, has been reluctant to talk about her close encounters with extraterrestrials. I'm not necessarily fearful, she said. I'm a bit nervous about how people may react. I do believe that I have experienced contact with non-human intelligence. Tussle Tussle said she has videos and scars to prove it. I have multiple witness sightings or experiences, but also marks that would show up on my body. Scars, like the one on my finger, Tussle said. I did wake up one time with three red diagonal lines. I've woken up with the handprints and fingerprints that I couldn't have made myself, and nobody else could have made, and nobody else could have made myself. When asked if she's simply, if, when asked if she's simply a more vivid dreamer than other people, Tussle said, "I don't know if dreaming would make a stigmatotype effect when you're getting bodily scars or marks." Tussle, an education consultant blogs in her spare time about UFOs and crop circles. While many have proven to be man-made hoaxes, she believes some crop circles could be the result of an alien spacecraft or or extraterrestrial communication. She doesn't care for the phrase alien abduction, opting instead to call herself an experiencer. Honestly, I think that's the way a lot of these people find to cope with this really uh, violent, traumatic assault that's happened to them where they preferred to call themselves an experiencer as if they were part of the equation. Maybe it's easier that way than to just feel so helpless, to have just been victimized in this way. She says, I don't believe I was taken against my will, she said. I believe, I believe that all my life I've been prepared to share information, to experience information, and to contact and contact with non-human intelligence. Then it says, psychologists say media images may be reenacted dreams, but she prefers to leave the details of her experiences to the imagination. I don't want to go into too much detail on certain kinds of beings that I saw because of the graphic nature of some of the things that I saw and experienced, she said. You know, I really feel like what's going on here is that... uh, the abduction that she experienced was so traumatic that she doesn't want to relive it. And she knows, maybe subconsciously at least, that if she were to sit there and relate the experiences and the things that these entities did to her, that the average listener would immediately say, hey, you've been assaulted. You've been criminally assaulted. Uh, You're only an experiencer in the sense that you've experienced an assault. And this notion that you've been prepared to communicate with these things and that you're somehow spatial, that's only a coping mechanism that you've developed. I think that's what I suspect is going on here. She says While Tussle and others are thoroughly convinced psychologists, say the media generated images of alien kidnappings can become easily ingrained in our subconscious. And then vividly reenacted in our in our dreams. What tends to be similar is they come in the night, they take you someplace, you're in a spaceship, Harvard University psychotherapy researcher Susan Clancy said. The aliens tend to look the same, which is that sort of greenish triangular head, big eyes, and they perform medical or sexual experiments on you. Well they only look look the same. I, I you know, I'm not sure I agree with this because I've heard I've heard the descriptions of everything from these insectoid to the gray aliens to you know different different types of aliens to what people thought were hybrids even so you know I'm not sure I can go along with that part of it it says a lot of people who had it think they're going crazy or they think that there are aliens or they think that there are ghosts out there Clancy said and they're kind of freaked out well yeah and and seriously if a person really uh, was in a mental health crisis, and they were having delusions that they were being abducted by uh, these alien entities. Would they would they be cognizant enough to realize that they were in the middle of a psychotic episode? Or is that even possible? It makes me think that when people think that they're going crazy because they have this experience, it almost seems more likely to me that, they, that we're not dealing with a mental health issue and that we're dealing with a, a person... Who has a normal uh, mental health capacity and has had some kind of terrible experience? If a person just automatically didn't see anything out of the ordinary about this, then you might think maybe their baseline mental health is off a little bit. So I'm not I'm not sure where that comes in at. Experts say sleep paralysis, the feeling of being awake but unable to move during sleep, is quite common. Sufferers say they see say they feel as if they're totally paralyzed, a symptom that parallels what abductees like like Copeland described during their experience with alleged extraterrestrial life. Well, of course, most of us are familiar with, with sleep paralysis. When you go to sleep at night, when you go into a certain stage of dream, your body produces a chemical that more or less paralyzes you, or somewhat does, to keep you from sleepwalking and thrashing about and becoming a complete danger to yourself. So that's just a normal part of sleep. What these people, and, and sometimes you know, when you wake up in the morning, or maybe if you wake up in the middle of the night, it takes a second or two for that uh, chemical state to subside, and then you're able to move again. Rare, but it happens, and it can be quite terrorizing. But what these people, to me, are describing, is much more prolonged than what you would think of as like a normal uh, sleep paralysis problem. It says, Clancy herself suffered from sleep paralysis and admitted that the feeling was so powerful that for a moment she was also convinced that her visions were real. It was so powerful at the time, she said, while I'm levitating in the air, that that's what it felt like and spinning like a rotisserie chicken. I had this feeling that something was present and I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's real, but then it was over and then I woke up. But for the majority of believers, Clancy said, their visions are likely Fastest of their imaginations. The abductees or experiences ABC News spoke to reject any scientific explanation, asserting that their belief that they have been through is real. Well, here's the question you know, we can really sort through these uh, accounts by looking at the ones that involve uh, alien implants. I mean, certainly you can say a person's had sleep paralysis, a person's a vivid dreamer, or whatever, but when they're coming back with implants in their bodies, I don't think you're going to pick that up in your sleep on your own. And so the article is not really delving into uh, the second part of what's really the big story with alien abduction. And that big story is alien implants because it seems like a lot of these folks have them. A lot of them have them and don't even realize them. And then when we've we've talked about these implants being taken out before, about how oftentimes they try to the, the implant itself will try to squirm away from the surgeon. Uh, how they never seem to be able to nail them down. What they're made out of. The few that have been run through a spectrometer, uh, it seems as though the materials that they're made out of uh, sometimes are common. But sometimes it, it seems as though they're extremely exotic, maybe even from another galaxy. Uh, Jacques uh, Vallee has talked about this. About how some of the material that he's picked up from uh, not necessarily implants, but from like UFO ejecta, how it would cost uh, literally a trillion dollars or multiple trillion dollars to reproduce this stuff uh, on Earth because of, of how they had to arrange it atom by atom. Same thing with these, with these implants. They're operating at, at uh, radio wave levels that show that they're communicating uh, lots of weird stuff going on in that department. The article finishes up. It says, "I can re- I can remember vividly where I was, what I was doing, and what I w- and that I was not awake. I could feel, I could feel I was actually there." Yeah, well, lots of people have had these uh, abduction stories. We've gone through several of them on the on the uh, podcast, but just think. This is, of course, from two thousand nine. But just think about this: fifteen hundred people there. Fifteen hundred people. Or well enough to get in their car, on an airplane, whatever, and find their way to this symposium, this group station, whatever you want to call it, and talk about their experiences. That's just the 1,500 that made it there. Even if you, even if you would just account, you know, and round off and say, well, out of those 1,500, how many, how many of these experiences could be authentic? That's a large number, that's a large sample size. And to think and just to say that all those people were having sleep paralysis or all those people were vivid dreamers or all those people had serious mental health issues seems a, a little a bit of a stretch to me. I think what we really need to get to is this experience that these folks are having being taken onto these ships against their will. And kind of the and not only what's happening while they're on the ship, but what's happening afterwards. You see this common thing Well, oftentimes they start taking them when they're kids or when they're young, or they start being abducted after they've had a a sighting or an encounter. And then they talk about going on this ship, maybe viewing different types of aliens, and then having these really traumatic experiments run on them. Things shoved up their nose, things put in other body cavities, just painful procedures that they've been forced to go through, where these things just seem to treat them as if uh, they're an object, as if they're not human. Then we have many cases where people talk about having implants put in them. Uh, they're painful. They have pain from the implants. They have pain when they try to take them out. So there's a lot of pain and discomfort associated with this abduction experience. And Even if you discount for all the ones that aren't true abductions. you know. And the other thing that seems strange to me is the amount of what would almost seem like mind control involved. Because not only are these people having memories suppressed or erased, or erased but they're having their attitude toward their captors uh, being adjusted. Oftentimes when they first start off being abducted, they're traumatized by it. They really resist, they really don't like it. But then after a time or two of being uh, run through this you know, abduction sequence where they have these they have these painful exper- experiments done on them, they begin to think as so, though, well, I'm spatial. I'm the one that was chosen to communicate with these entities. It's, now, whether that's a, a notion that's been implanted there by these ETs or whether that's just a response um, that, they, that they're doing on their own, that their own mind is coming up with to kind of reduce the effects of the trauma, I don't know, but it does seem to be a common thing that happens. Now, I don't see it as healthy. I really don't. A healthy response to me would be these people trying to find a way to stop these abductions. But it's almost as if they're overwhelmed by them to the point where they have to feel like um, there's something positive coming out of it. And really, if the experience was that positive, why would they feel the need to travel 1,500 miles to go talk to somebody else about it? You see, it, it the whole abduction uh, phenomena that's associated with this UFO phenomena, it has something very much in common with the UFO phenomena itself, and that is deception. It's like whatever the motives for these things are to abduct people, we're being kept in the dark about. The same way we're being kept in the dark about why are we allowed to see these things. See, the connections, Just it's as if we're being treated like... We are, like I said, lab rats, not worthy of knowing. So there's no, there's no communication going on here between two ent- entities. That notion that you've been chosen to communicate with this high-level entity, um, that's silliness. That's not what's happening here. Th- they aren't communicating with these people other than to communicate fear to them, or other, t- basically make threats, like saying, well, don't pick up the gun because it won't do you any good anyway. It's the only communication that's happening is where the ET is forcing compliance on the experiencer. That's the only communication that's happening. They're not being told uh, how to find the cure to cancer. They're not being told uh, you know, what, what next week's winning lottery numbers are going to be. They're not being told the secrets of the universe. They're being treated the same way you would treat uh, an animal that you captured, or maybe somebody who was forced into a medical experiment. So, as far as the question goes, does E.T. come in peace? Well, as far as I can see, at least for the experiencers that are having these abduction experiences, no, E.T. does not come in peace. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.